Jane Ivey is ending the season the best way he possibly could, playing probably his best stretch of his entire season. We're going to talk about how well he's played to end this season in today's episode of the Locked On Pistons podcast. You are Locked On Pistons, your daily Detroit Pistons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's the deal? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Pistons podcast. Per usual, I'm your host, Kuka Hill. You can find me over on Twitter, at Kuka Hill. I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Pistons your first listen of every single day. We are free and available on all your podcast platforms. If you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel, hit that subscribe button. We're on our way to 5,000 subscribers, and we are having a contest at Locked On. We are ranking the, the, the podcast and the Locked On NBA network according to their subscribers on YouTube. And we're in a dead heat, which I believe the Suns, I believe it's the Suns, no, the Trailblazers are right in front of us. We're 200 subscribers away. So again, if you haven't hit that subscribe button, please go do that. We're in a race to try to get past the Trailblazers before the end of the season. Please hit that subscribe button or leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. That's another great way to support the podcast. Coming up later, we'll talk about the two big lineup that we talk, uh, that we saw in this game against um, the Brooklyn Nets. We we got to see more of Jalen Duren and James Wiseman play together. We'll talk about how that looked. And then we'll talk about the final home game in which the Pistons just played. And then we'll reflect on this season a little bit. It's not the complete end of the season yet. We'll do the complete summary of the season in that episode when the season actually ends. But with this finally being the final home game, I think it's fine to take a reflection point on this past season, how fans feel about this season. Um, but first, I, I kind of want to talk about Jane Ivey's play over the last few weeks. Jane Ivey, we've talked about him a ton, obviously, on the podcast. And how he's played this season as the season's progressed is by far the biggest positive from this season. There are things that he struggled with at the beginning of this season that that you don't see players improve at just through one season. We've talked about his pull-up shooting from the mid-range being something he's improved on. His decision-making in the in-between area from the three-point line to the rim, in-between that area, something he's improved on. Uh, His passing, his playmaking ability being something he's improved on. His three-point shooting being something he's improved on. His maturity and change of pace, using his athleticism, knowing when not to use it, that kind of thing has improved. All that stuff from where it was in October, November, it's crazy where he's at now in April. And you're seeing it happen in the best stretch of his season thus far. So Jane Ivey in the month of March, he averaged 18 points a game, almost 19 points a game, um, seven assists, four rebounds a game. He shot 40% from the field, 36% from deep, and 81% from the free throw line. But the craziest part about this is that he started off the month of March playing probably his worst stretch of his his season this year. In the first nine games of March, he was shooting 34% from the field, 30% from the deep, and 73% from the free throw line. Then, to end this, the, the month of March, though, his final four games of March, 46% from the field, 41% from deep, 94% from the free throw line. And then if you take the last four games of March, the last the first two games of April, which we just we just watched them play, not including tonight's game against the Nets, he's shooting forty seven percent from the field, forty three percent from uh, from deep, and ninety three percent from the free throw line. So 
he he's played and then in this game against Brooklyn, obviously he shot nine of twenty two, forty one percent from the field, twenty three points and ten assists in this game. So it's crazy to kind of see. I mean, that's kind of like the summary of his season, to be honest. He starts off the month of March terribly, but learns, grows from it, and immediately flips the switch and then starts to play the best stretch of his of his career. And that's kind of how his seasons went. At the beginning of the year, he had some struggles, but he learned from it quickly. He grew from it, and he got better, and you saw him get better as the season progressed. So, Jay and Ivy, I feel like, look, this season's been awful. I can't lie to you guys. It's been awful for you guys. It's been awful for the franchise. been awful for the team, the players. It's been awful for me. Like, it's not, it hasn't been fun to watch half the time. I'm not, like, we know. But if you want to take the biggest positive from this season, it's by far been Jane Ivey's play, man. And I know Kay Cunningham hasn't played this year, so the big question will be, how does Jane Ivey and Kay Cunningham fit together? Can they play together? Can, can how well Ivey's played mesh with the Pistons franchise player? Obviously, some people will feel like yes. Some people will say no. It's something that we're just not going to get the answer to until they actually play next year together. But the Pistons fans, and we've said this a ton over the po- on the podcast over the last few weeks, that with Jane Ivey, with how he's played, he's continued to play, and how well. Man, he's hitting pull-up threes after pull-up three after pull-up three, movement threes. Like, how well he's shooting off the dribble over the last few weeks is crazy because that was something he really struggled with at the beginning of the year, and now he's just doing it over and over and over again. So, look, his improvement and how well he's played, combined with the fact you already have Kay Cunningham, combined with how well Jalen Dern has played this season, and even as of late, he dominated last game. He was pretty good in this game against the Brooklyn Nets too. But that, that three-man core right there, as long as the Pistons can nail their top pick of this upcoming offseason, you should feel pretty confident about what the Pistons are building because of what the two rookies this year, specifically Jay and Ivy in this segment, have shown to feel confident about what the Pistons are trying to add to K. Cunningham with this team. Jay and I, I, I there's nothing, I can't be any more comp- complimentary of how Jay and Ivy's played this year, man. He's improved literally in every area. Maybe not defense, and defense is an area that I believe probably will be always a weakness of his throughout his career now he could prove me wrong he could become a good defender but he wasn't a good one at all at Purdue he hasn't been a good one this year I just don't know I don't think that's going to be an area he'll ever actually be good at but outside of that he's improved in just about every area and seeing him every night play and see him like in lifetime learn from his mistakes and do things differently it's 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 been a real treat to watch so I like I said I know that it's been tough to watch this year I know it's been a tough, tough season for everybody, but Jane Ivey, the Pistons' top pick of this past draft, has at least given Pistons fans a reason to be hopeful and and some kind of reason to watch every single night because he has been extremely fun. And this game against the Brooklyn Nets, the Pistons shouldn't have been in this game. Brooklyn was had hit 17 threes in this game. I believe they hit like 10 in the first quarter. The Pistons sort of got blown out the water in this game. But Jane Ivey was playing so exceptionally well in this game, in the first half specifically, in the first half he was really all over the place, third quarter too, but how well he was playing, how well he was finding his teammates and hitting tough shots, getting to the basket, all that kind of stuff, he was keeping them in this game, obviously RJ Hampton's third quarter was just like, whoa, what the hell happened, that helped too, but for the majority majority of the night, Jaden Ivey was what kept this team in it against a team that was shooting lights out, the Pistons should have gotten blown out way earlier in this game, and Jaden Ivey 
kept him in it against a, a, a pretty good team. So, and he was being checked by Mikael Bridges for the majority of this too. So, and that's one of the best perimeter defenders in the NBA. Jane Ivey, really damn good. May not make all rookie first team because of, you know, he's been better over the last 20 games than it was at the beginning of the season. And maybe they give that to Mather because of it. But either way, I think everyone who's watched this team and watched Jane Ivey progress through the season, I think you feel comfortable by him being the fifth overall pick. And you may even say he could have went higher. So, Pistons fans should be happy about Jane Ivey. Not the season. The season's been tough. But Jane Ivey, especially how he's played as of late, he's been just exceptional for the Pistons late, lately. So, let me know what you guys think about Jane Ivey and how he's played uh, over the last few weeks in the comment section down below or over on Twitter at Cougar Hill. Coming up, Two big man lineup with Jalen Duran and James Wise. And we got another look at it. They started off this game. How did it look? We'll talk about that when we come back. But first, I've got to tell you guys about one of our sponsors, Ibotta. Groceries, school shopping, and getting a little something for yourself. You know you're already doing it, so why not get cash back for it with Ibotta? You can earn cash back on every shopping trip. Ibotta gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items from produce to personal care to pantry goods. Either link your loyalty count. Or upload your receipt after you shop and get your cash back now. It's just that easy. The average Ibotta user earns $120 a year in real cash back. That could cover the cost of an entire shopping trip. Or you could use your cash back to buy that flight you've been eyeing, that game you've been dying to go to, or the fancy dinner that you've been craving to get. A typical basket of groceries was over $50 more expensive at the end of 2022 than the beginning of the year due to inflation. You can earn two and a half times that back in cash from Ibotta, or even more depending on how much you use Ibotta. Ibotta gives you real cash back, not points. Other apps give you points that don't amount to much. With Ibotta, you get real cash back that you can cash out to your bank account, PayPal, or gift cards. You can earn cash back on hundreds of online brands and retailers too when you start with Ibotta, including Lowe's, Macy's, Sephora, Best Buy, and more. Right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 just for trying Ibotta by using the code LOCKED when you register. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app and use code LOCKED. That's I-B-O-T-T-A in the Google Play or App Store and use code LOCKED. So I want to thank you guys again for making Lockdown Pistons your first listen of every single day. We're free and available on all your podcast platforms. Again, if you haven't already... Please hit that subscribe button. We are on our road to 5,000 subscribers. We're in a competition with the rest of the Locked On NBA uh, shows. We are just 200 subscribers behind Locked On Blazers. I'm trying to get there before the end of the year. So, And 53% of you guys who watch these videos over the past month have been unsubscribed. So if you are one of those people, please hit that subscribe button. It's the best way to support the channel. I really would appreciate it. Or you guys can leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. That's another great way to support the podcast. So uh, the biggest the biggest topic in the Pistons community over the least over at least the last month or so has by far been the two big man lineup. Whether it's James Wiseman and Bagley, or Jalen Duran and Bagley, or James Wiseman and Jalen Duran, it's been a heated topic in the Pistons community over the past month or so since they acquired James Wiseman. And the biggest the biggest heat the, the most heated part about it, I should say, was the fact that Jalen Duran was coming off the bench for Marvin Bagley, for James Wiseman. And everyone including my or not everyone, but a lot of people including myself were extremely 
against this and, and did not like this at all, thought it wasn't smart, and I've came on the podcast and talked about it a ton. Now, over the last few games, Jalen Duran has come back into the starting lineup because Marvin Bagley is dealing with a concussion uh, that he su- suffered. I don't know if he's going to be able to um, – Marvin Bagley, that is. I don't know if he's going to be able to come back this season. Uh, they only have two more games left or three – yeah, two more games left. So I, I don't know if he's going to come back. But last two games against Miami – and now against Brooklyn, we've gotten to see James Wiseman and Jalen Duran play together. My first takeaway from this is Jalen Duran's a dog. That, that's, that's my first and immediate takeaway from this. Jalen Duran is an absolute monster. The last two games, if he would have got minutes, he could have been doing this like for a much longer stretch. How we talk about Ivy and how Ivy's picked it up over the last month or two months, whatever. This would have been Duran if he when he came back from his injury and he was starting and getting his minutes, he could have been doing this. But against Miami, which we didn't record a podcast after that. I'm sorry for that, but I had to take a day off. I, I needed to regroup, re-energize, and, and take a day off and, and just relax with my wife and chill out. So I apologize for that. Um, but against Miami, against Bam Adebayo, Jalen Duran had 20 points and 14 rebounds on 7 of 8 shooting. He went up against who many people compare him to. That That's a lot of people's long-term comparison for him. Bam Adebayo. And he won that matchup. He absolutely won that matchup against Bam Adebayo. Played absolutely exceptional against the Miami Heat. And if it wasn't for Jimmy Butler turning into Michael Jordan late, maybe the Pistons squeeze one out there. Maybe they still lose. But the Pistons could have squeezed one out right there if it wasn't for Jimmy Butler going crazy. And in that game, Jalen Duran. Had 13 rebounds. Bam Adebayo, four. Four rebounds. So Jalen Duran played exceptionally well in that game. And then in this game against the Brooklyn Nets, followed up with another great performance. He had 18 points, eight rebounds, and nine of 11 shooting in 35 minutes of play. So Jalen Duran, that's my first takeaway. Jalen Duran is an absolute monster. He's a demon, and he needs his minutes. He needs his minutes to close the rest of the season. He should have been getting his minutes. He never should have been coming off the bench. He's the Pistons' best big. He's their big of the future. And we could have been seeing similar progress and similar performances from him over the last few weeks, like we've seen from Ivy, if he was starting, if he was playing more than 23 minutes a game so Marvin Bagley and James Wiseman could play. That's that's my immediate takeaway from watching them these last few games, that Jalen Duran is an absolute beast. And in a future podcast, I don't know if we'll do it by the end of this week. I plan to. But Paul George had some comments about Jalen Durham. We're not going to talk about it in this podcast. I want to make it a whole separate topic for a future episode, so stay tuned for that. Um, but Paul George had some nice things to say about Jalen Duran. Either way, Jalen Duran's a monster. That's basically my biggest takeaway. Um, the second takeaway I have is this. Jalen Duran is is such a good passing big man that he, he probably has the best connection outside of Ivy with a few players like Ivy with Duran. Duran probably has the best passing chemistry with any big or any player on this Pistons team. Jalen Duran has made routinely entry passes to Wiseman underneath the basket over and over and over again in these past two games. And I, when I tell you they're on the mark, they're absolutely on the mark. They're, they're on the money. His passing, which is why it was so frustrating that, look, I don't believe in the two big man lineup you saw. We'll get to it a little bit, like in a, a few minutes here. But you saw them struggle really bad in the second half with it. And we'll d- dive into why. But it was so frustrating that Jalen Duran wasn't starting with James Wiseman if you wanted to go two bigs. Because Jalen Duran's the only big on the team with the skill set that can make a two-big lineup work. 
I don't think it would work anyways because none of them can shoot. But at least he has the skill set that you need to make it work, and that's passing. He can get guys open. He can hit guys that when they have mismatches. He can make entry passes, backdoor passes. Like, you need that short roll passing. He has the skill set to make it work, which is why it was so frustrating that if you want to do two bigs, you're sitting the guy who actually make, who can make the two big work. So that, that was the most frustrating part about it, but you've seen that be on absolute display over the last two games with Dern and Wiseman. Dern's just been fighting Wiseman underneath the basket consistently um, due to his passing. His passing is, is really damn good. I can't wait to see how they choose to use him next year, maybe a little bit more as, an, uh, as a hub from the high post. Maybe they run some more DHOs with him from the wing. Who knows? I'm interested to see, though, because he has that passing ability. It's, it's absolutely legit. Um, but moving, moving on to more of Duran and Wiseman as a duo. I do not think it works together. I, I don't think it looks very good. In the first quarter, the Pistons were playing really well with it. First quarter, they played really well. And, I, I well, actually, they played well offensively. Defensively, they gave up about 10 open threes. Like, the Brooklyn Nets hit, I think, 10 threes in that first quarter. And at least eight of them were wide open. And a lot of that has to do with it. They have two bigs who aren't comfortable guarding on the perimeter, comfortable making rotations, and that was being exposed on defense. However, offensively, it was looking fine because of two reasons. One, Amarui was able to hit two threes. So if he's able to space the floor like that, hit open threes when they double off him, that helps. He was able to do that in the first, first quarter, so that helped immensely. And secondly, the Pistons were absolutely force-feeding their two bigs throughout the first quarter. And Brooklyn didn't have an answer for it in that first first quarter. I believe Jalen Duran, um, Jalen Duran and James Wiseman combined for like the Pistons. So let's look at this here. So after at the seven minute mark, James Wiseman had seven points and Jalen Duran had six points. So they combined for thirteen points in the first five minutes of action in this game. So they were feeding them consistently. They continued to go to the post over and over and over again. And if you're going to catch a team off guard. And Brooklyn obviously was caught off guard here. Didn't know how to guard it. They were just abusing them with it. And it was working. So it looked good in the first quarter. Then we move on to the third quarter, though, when they started again. Because after that, they started, um, uh, what's the word? Rotating them. They started rotating them in and out. Um, staggering them. That's the word I was looking for. I went for, my my head went blank right there. But they started staggering them. So you didn't get to see them at all for the rest of the game. Or the rest of the first half. Third quarter, the start of the third quarter, you got to see it again. And that's where Brooklyn just completely busted the doors open. And you saw Brooklyn start to front post, uh, front the guys in the post, start to bring doubles. And the Pistons turned the ball over on three of their first five possessions. And Brooklyn was able to take off with it. And that is the biggest problem that you're going to run into with the two big lineup that the Pistons have on their roster currently. Now, again, I, I kind of want to make this clear because I feel like a lot of people in the Pistons community, a lot of content creators in the Pistons community, to be honest, I feel like a lot of people are confusing that you can't run two bigs and you can't run two bigs that are on this roster. If you want to run two bigs, you can run two bigs. There's teams in the league that run quote unquote two bigs, but they're two bigs. They're able to do that because they have a four who is multi-talented and can do just about everything on the floor. And is usually a superstar outside of Al Horford at this age, they're usually like superstars and they can do everything on the floor. They can shoot, they can space the floor, they can guard on the perimeter, etc. So if you have that person though, you can run two bigs. The problem is the Pistons don't have that personnel. What they do have with it is two guys that could potentially dominate the guys or the opposing teams in the paint on switches, which they did in the first quarter. 
as the game goes on, teams will get adjusted. They start not to give up those easy looks. They don't start to switch guards onto them. And then they start fronting post, or fronting the guys in the post. And that's when you saw the Pistons run into a lot of problems. You saw Jane Ivey and Killian Hayes both run into problems on some drives to the rim where there's two bigs trying to post up at the same time. There's no driving opportunities. So it, it's mixed, it, it's, it, it gave mixed, mixed results. The results we got in the second half were results that I thought that we were going to see. And the results that you saw in the first quarter, I think, and let me know how you guys feel about this in the comment section. I know some of you guys will disagree, but I think what you saw in the first quarter was more of a positive for Jalen Duran, not the two big lineup. The fact that Jalen Duran is such a good passer that he's repeatedly being able to make these passes from the top of the key, from the high post to bigs underneath the rim and, and guys backdoor cutting and kickouts and short rolls, like all that, that says more about Jalen Duran and how good he is. It didn't say much to me about the two big lineup. Now, yes, I'm not trying to say they didn't look good in the first quarter. It did. They were playing well to start the game, the first five minutes of the game. But then after that, Brooklyn adjusted, and especially in that third quarter, they completely just really made them pay. And also defensively, they they don't have – the two bigs can't guard in the perimeter out there, and they can't make rotations. Brooklyn was just bombing them away on offense from the outside. So I, you got a good glimpse at it. But again, like I said, my bigger takeaway would be Jalen Duran has the skill set to work with another big if that other big can shoot threes and is spacing the floor and can guard on the perimeter because he has that passing ability. And you see that happen each time they run him with another big. And even then, the big lineup doesn't really, you know, the on-off, the net rating isn't very good. So that, that's my takeaway from what we saw from the two bigs tonight. I was really impressed from Jalen Duran mostly in this game. And I think he's an absolute monster, dude. I, I, if you watch these games with him, dude, there's no way you don't come away thinking he's like Bam Adebayo and Dwight Howard mixed together as a kid. Like, it's, it's crazy how good he could possibly be. That passing, man, it's, it's some good stuff. It's some good stuff. Um, coming up though, that's all I've got to say about that. Let me know what you guys think. Comment section down below, but coming up, this was the Pistons final home game. How did this season go for Pistons fans, man? Did you guys enjoy going to home games? Did the Pistons put on a show for you guys at, the, at, at Little Caesars Arena? We'll just kind of recap that a little bit coming up. But first I've got to tell you guys about one of our sponsors. This one is FanDuel Sportsbook. The NBA playoffs are almost here, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and threes drained. Now, I've told you guys over the last few weeks, a prop bet, a player prop that I really feel comfortable with has been Jane Ivey's over and assist. He's been much better as a playmaker, much better at finding guys open on the perimeter underneath the rim, especially since they moved him to being like the full-time point guard. I've been telling you guys that over and assist, I'm really feeling that. And you would have hit it again tonight if you listened to me. You got 10 assists from Ivey in this game, so would have hit there. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. 
So I want to thank you guys again for making Lockdown Pistons your first listen of every single day. We are free and available on all your podcast platforms. If you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel, hit that subscribe button. We're in that competition. We're on our road to 5,000 subscribers. Please hit that subscribe button or leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. That's another great way to support the podcast. The Pistons played their final home game of this season. The season only has two games left. Both of them are on the road. The 2022-2023 season for the Detroit Pistons is very nearly over. And like I said, when the season actually ends, April 9th against the Chicago Bulls, a podcast after that will re- we'll recap this season, give some thoughts overall on the season. So that, that will be the full episode for it. But I, I thought I could talk about it a little bit here since it was the final home game for the Pistons this year. And how, how do I feel about what this team gave to fans this season that showed up to Little Caesars Arena and supported them throughout the year? It's, it's, it's been a mixed bag, man. Like, not even, like, you know, I don't, I can't even feel, I don't feel comfortable saying that to you guys. It's been a mixed bag. The Pistons have 16 wins, man. You're, they're going to be the only team not to get 20 wins. This very well it may end up, actually I'm pretty sure it already is, the least amount of wins the Pistons have ever had in a season. Ever. And look, if they get Wemby, obviously I don't think any fan will care. I, like, we all have to be honest. If they were to pull off getting Victor Wembanyama, obviously no one would care and everyone would be like, oh, well, it was worth it. They got Victor. So with that caveat... It's been an extremely rough, rough season for Pistons fans. And I can't say the Pistons gave them much, much to, to, to watch at, at these home games. It, like, a lot of blowouts happened. A lot of losses happened. They didn't win many games. They didn't get to watch their franchise player for the majority of this season. It, it was tough. It was tough. But I really do respect all of you guys who continue to go to Little Caesars Arena and continue to support this team. It, it says a lot about the the fact that the Pistons were not at the bottom of the league in attendance this year. Says says like the world about this fan base, really. And it, it really says that if you just give this fan base, if, if you just give this fan base something to want to watch, something to cheer for, something to be happy about, if you just give them that, this city will, will pop. This city will pop for the Pistons. They will come support the Pistons. They'll come watch. They'll support them. In just average fans per game, the Pistons were 12th in the NBA. Now, percentage-wise, percentage filled, um, they were towards the bottom, 24th. 91% of their seats were filled. Now, I don't know. I'm not going to act like I'm I'm an expert with this. I don't know which one would be more accurate with that because the Pistons stadium is just bigger than a lot of stadiums out there. Like, for example, the Pistons were getting more uh, fans at their games per game than the Warriors. But the Warriors were 100% uh, uh, filled up the entire stadium almost every single home, actually every home game. They just don't have enough seats for it. So I don't know how you want to view it. I don't know if you want to look at the percentages, but I don't know if you want to look at the average people that showed up every game. But either way, the fact that Pistons just weren't at the bottom, even if you look at the percentage, Teams behind them, the Rockets, Hornets, Timberwolves, Pacers, Thunder, and Wizards. So, like, the fact that they're not at the bottom with how bad this season is should say enough about this This city is starving. And not even just starving for Pistons success. Just starving for Detroit sports success. But, really, Pistons fan base is there. It's alive. 
it's 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 went quiet a little bit over the last few months. I mean, it's been tough. It's been tough. But despite that, they've showed up more than anyone could have could have imagined at Little Caesars Arena when you look at the type of season that this team had this year. So I hope this. This is why I hope for next season. I hope the team makes changes. I hope they actually do make changes that matter. I'm not going to say what that is. I think you guys can read in between the lines of what I'm saying there. And then I hope that they actually make moves in free agency. And and and, and it's going to be tough. We're going to do an off-season preview soon here. We've kind of hinted at it a few times. The free agency class isn't great. And the Pistons don't have a ton of assets. But I, I just hope... Cade coming back to help a lot of it. But I just hope Troy Weaver... Puts a product on the floor. It doesn't have to be a 50-win product. It doesn't. Heck, I don't think it would really have to be a 40-win product. Now, you'd like that, but I don't think it'd have to be that. It just needs to be a team that competes in and out, that is competing for the play-in, maybe makes the play-in, and gives the fans the city of Detroit reason to come out and watch and see some wins and see some fun basketball. I hope that's what, I, I hope that's what happens next year, man. Because this city wants it. This fan base wants it. They're, they're ready for it. They just haven't been given it, and they were rewarded with the worst season in Pistons history this year for it. And I feel bad for you guys because of that. So I hope Weaver does his job this offseason, and he's issued out a letter. I'm sure a lot of you guys read it. Um, I don't know if that means he's feeling some pressure. I don't know if they're just trying to get the, the fan base to quiet down with some slander. Um, but either way, I think that signals that they can hear how angry the fan base is about what's been on display this season and how they want a good product on the floor. So hopefully that rings some noise and, and, and gets through and they actually do try to put on a pretty good product next year. Because again, like I said, the fan base wants it. They, they really do. And hopefully what's, what was the Pistons record at home? I, I didn't even look. Let, let's, let's look real quick. What was the Pistons home record? The Pistons were nine and 32 at home. Hopefully next year they win more than nine games at home. Like hopefully the Pistons fan base gets to see more than nine wins at their stadium. Let's try for fifteen wins. Can that can that happen? Hopefully that can happen. So here's what it is. Let me know what you guys thought about. If you guys went to a Pistons game actually this year, let me know what you guys' best experience so far this year. Not so far. It's over now. So what was it? What was your best experience this season at Little Caesars Arena? Let me know all those stories down below in the comment section. Or over on Twitter at Kuka Hill. That's all I've got for you guys today. Thank you guys for tuning into the podcast. Thank you guys for making it your first listen of every single day. Hit that subscribe button to the YouTube channel. Leave us a five star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. And until next time, I'll see you guys later. Stay safe, go Pistons, and peace out.